Hey folks, welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. On today's show, uh, Stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren. Go check out statsbywill.com to go check out all of Will's great college basketball coverage, Tennessee coverage, all that and more. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Stats by Will. Uh, what we had on this week, uh, or today's edition of the podcast, uh, biggest upsets in the past week, uh, February surprises, both good and bad. Uh, the Providence Friars, uh, they are still atop the Big East as of this recording. So we hit on that, uh, how the Friars have uh, been so good in the Big East. And if it's sustainable, we hit on uh, Arkansas and how they were able to take down Auburn. What are some some ways that teams can beat Auburn? And we're looking at two SEC teams at number one seeds, it looks like, uh, going into March Madness if things continue the way they are. Um, Wichita not good so far really struggling uh this season um we wonder about what the future is like there in uh shocker country so wichita state down a little bit um and we'll figure out what what to do next um the latest on the tennessee volunteers of course with will and i both being tennessee guys um we talk about the the win uh this week against mississippi state and uh the win on saturday um over to South Carolina on the road, Vanderbilt uh, coming up, and the different lineups that uh, Rick Barnes is now having to trot out there because of uh, Kumwa's injury. So all that and more. Also his stats that have jumped out to him this week in college basketball. All the college basketball coverage that you never knew you needed on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. So make sure you go visit com. But most importantly right now, uh, YouTube. We are on YouTube. Every single episode of this very podcast will be on YouTube. Video component. Um, Just type in Chase Thomas Podcast. You'll find it on YouTube. Go subscribe. Go like the videos. Go share them out as we get this thing off the ground. Uh, It would mean a lot. So go do that. Um, Also, if you are an Apple Podcast listener, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, please make sure you uh, leave this show a five-star rating and a review. If, If you've not already done so, it would be greatly appreciated don't forget you can email this very program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com any sports questions life questions anything like that just hit me up chase thomas podcast or chase thomas podcast at gmail.com uh go subscribe to the sports renaissance man my daily newsletter sports renaissance man.substack.com sports renaissance man that's me um chase thomas podcast.com follow myself on twitter at twitter.com slash chase double underscore thomas and uh, facebook.com slash chase thomas writer all right that will do it for the beginning of this very podcast will it's time to talk some college basketball uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back to the chase thomas podcast where i am now joined by my favorite college basketball writer, SEC Network legend. It's Mr. Stats by Will, decked out in his Kirkland, his Costco-approved <laughs> attire. Did did you get uh, some Costco pizza while while you made this purchase? How did, how did that work? I haven't gotten the Costco pizza in a while. I mm. am a big sucker for the hot dog deal, though. The hot dog, the fact that it's still $1.50 after, you know, all these years, all the inflation, all of the economic changes over three decades mm-hmm. is really a miracle of modern society. I, uh, I've i never understood it. Like it's 
because when I was going to, my mom was a big Costco person and I remember us just going all the time when I was younger. And I remember just, I, at that point being amazed at how cheap it was, like me being 10 or 11 being like a hot dog's what a slice of pizza is like, <laughs> like they pay you to get a slice of pizza at Costco. And they had this like berry smoothie that I would get to. I don't know if they still have that, but man, I look Costco. If you want to be the presenting sponsor of the Chase Thomas podcast, Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com, you, you know how to find me. Um, Cause I will do a minute, ha- minute and a half ad read that is both genuine legit and honestly will will do it too will will do yes, it we'll i would happily <laughs> happily do a costco ad read uh, yeah all the money they've saved me on all sorts of stuff like mm-hmm. bread protein powder when i used to get like coffee in bulk like the k cups i would go there i don't really do k cups anymore i just brew my own but uh it was such an economically great choice to go there for the uh the big like 24 maybe it was 36 pack of k cups yeah um i'm not a k-cup guy either um i've i mean just the not to go full coffee guy here but you and i we got a remedy and like we'll like i just bought uh i'll buy the 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 beans but i get them to ground it up for me because i'm just like i i'm not buying the grinder like i'm not doing all of that i'm not doing this whole that's a bridge too far for me because i'm not trying to do work in the morning that's not my thing is i don't want to start off my day with uh with some grinding of beans it's just a bridge too far for me (laughs) See, I love I love doing that. When I, I used to have the okay. little before I invest in like a you know real mm. automatic one, the the little handheld one that you can get on Amazon for like twenty five or whatever. Mm. I had that, and it was a nice little calming five minute ritual every morning hmm. of uh, grinding my beans for the day. But I go. definitely know that's not for everybody. There, I mean, I'm very lucky in that I you know work from home. I don't like have to go to an office or whatever. So. The uh, the time concern of beans in the morning, which is a really funny phrase to say out loud, uh, doesn't apply to me as much as it probably does a lot of other people. Okay, uh, what do you get the most at Costco? Like, what's the most common item that you've you've purchased? Do you think in your in your lifetime at Costco? What do you think is number one? Costco hoodie. Okay. Um, I used to get the socks there a lot. They have this brand called Weatherproof Socks that are. Okay awesome for pretty much anything but Mm -hmm. i've used them a lot for running actually because you know i when it rains i still run outside and they hold up pretty darn well i mean Mm -hmm. i don't feel like there are a lot of socks out there uh unfortunately nike is a big offender of this where you like wear them out in the rain or you like have to like walk through puddles or whatever and you really feel it and like feeling really wet socks is one of the worst feelings you can have I think we just lost a sponsor. We gained one in Costco. We lost another in Nike. Um, <laughs> but I'm with you. I don't... The Nike socks don't work for me. I mean, I, I run in weatherproof socks too. And speaking yeah. of running, man, um, this is the running week. Like I have... Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm catching the sunsets. I'm up early every day anyway, but like the sunrises are just top notch, just top notch, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You're doing great work. And we always have the great sunsets here in East Tennessee, but getting the sunrises, that's the key. Now me getting my full... I'm an old man stuff on is like me taking a step outside with my cup of coffee and just soaking in the the colors and just how uh how beautiful the the morning is. Um but the weather will is mm-hmm. top notch. It's running weather season. Like I, I ran know. today in 50 degree weather. Um all week has just been an absolute delight. I'm having the best runs I've had in a couple of months. Like this is this is top notch man i am i'm about it or i'm assuming you've gotten a bunch of good runs in this week too 
Oh yeah. Mine are all in the morning. I love doing the sunrise run as early okay. as possible. Uh, it's definitely colder then. Like I think today when I went out, it was 36, but I mean, honestly, 36 isn't bad for running purposes. You, you warm up pretty quickly within a mile or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, I, I love it. Like I, I mean, for that, I wore shorts when I was 36. So maybe I'm just, uh, built, uh, different, whether that's good or bad. I really don't know, but um, Built different with the emoji. What's that like? The steam emoji coming out of their nose. I'm Built thinking different. of the purple devil emoji, where it's like, oh, that. okay, that's, that's my favorite. When you see that in the the comments, or when Kanye got mad at Drake for posting the devil emoji on oh. Cam's Instagram. Okay, yeah, that's a little deep cut right there. Uh, <laughs> probably for Kanye too. Maybe not anymore. Maybe it is for Pete Davidson. I don't mm-hmm. know. But anyway, no. Um, I love that you're in on all this. I love (laughs) that you know all about these relationship dynamics. Look at Will, a secret page six guy. Like he's a secret (laughs) big time page six guy. People forget that about Will. It's true. It is unfortunately true. But no, great running week. I did seven yesterday, five today, 10 Saturday. So good week ahead. Nice. Are you running every day or now? Four days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So do you get antsy on the days that you don't? No, I I go to the gym two days mm-hmm. a week to like, you know, various strength training and basketball and whatnot. But uh, I always build in one day a week, typically Fridays, where it's like I'll do yoga or something or I'll go for a lunch walk and, you know, still be somewhat active. But it's not like I'm doing anything strenuous. Like yoga is okay. not overly hard. So I'm going to have to cut this from the pod because if the sports renaissance woman hears that we've been talking about yoga and that you do it, she'll just be like, well, I mean, Will does it. Why don't yeah. you do it? It's okay. It, it's it just, awesome. It freaks me out. Like, I just feel like I'm going to break myself. Like, I am not a flexible person. And I think it's mm. just one of those that like, I, uh, I don't know. I am a brittle old man and I am terrified <laughs> of getting hurt doing yoga. Yeah, it, it's, it's an adjustment at first. The first time I did it, it felt like my legs were screaming in pain. But after well, once good, you, once yeah. you do like five or 10 times, it's kind of natural or natural. It's gets easy. Well, that's kind of like running is the first yeah. time when you get back into it and stuff, you're just like, why do I do this to myself? But then when you're back in the routine and then your body's used to it again, your body's like, oh, right, this is something good. Your body gets used to you just putting a bunch of stress on it yeah. over and over again. Like, oh, we're just doing that thing where all your weight's just barreling down on your lower half. All right, let's just keep doing that for 20 plus minutes. Um, yeah. The first run after a race is always really interesting because mm. I, I feel terrible like the first mile to two miles yeah, and the first one after. And then after, mm. once you get to like mile three or whatever, it's like, well, it's like old hat. It comes back to you. You feel like the stride comes back. Your breathing mm. comes back. But the first one always sucks. Like I did, I, can't, I think it was after Louisville last year, I did mm. uh, four miles. And it was like the first mile. I was like, God, I don't know if I can ever run 10 again, much less, you know, to a half or even full. But yeah, just take some time. Well, that concludes the running hour here on the the Will the Stats by Will experience here on the Chase yes. Thomas podcast. You get a lot on our show, I think. But I hope, like the hope, man, is that a lot of people take our uh, running conversations and then they go run and they shop yes. at Costco. If we do those two things for <laughs> some listeners, like that's a net positive because both of those things are healthy and both of those things will make you happier and add a little bit more pleasure to your life. Because it sounds scary, but my daily runs, man. The, the endorphin release and just what that does because i'm an anxiety riddled person will that like those times that time away 
is a delight and I get antsy. Like I have got, like when I was not able to do anything with my knee, like I was, you could feel it. Like it just, it changes your psyche. Like I was more tense and just, it permeated in every other aspect of my life. But having those runs, man, being active, it's a, it's a good thing, folks. I promise being active (laughs) and then getting yourself a dollar pizza from, uh, from Costco, because I used to live off those dollar pizzas. I would go when I was at the Cox Media Group back in Atlanta. Um, there was a Costco next door and they thought I was joking when they were like, where are you going to lunch? And I'm like, Costco. And they're like, why would you go to Costco? And like, are you just going to buy some stuff? Like, I was like, no, 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 no. You can literally slide right in, go to the Dell or go to the deli or whatever and order some food. And that's it. You can just sit there and knock it out. Dollar. Can you beat a dollar? It's like a gigantic slab of deliciousness it's so greasy it's so big and it's perfect like they have no business making delicious pizza but here they are making delicious pizza i don't know who's responsible for the costco pizza i just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because it has brought me (laughs) immense joy truly uh no disrespect to sam's club no disrespect to no we can disrespect them no i'm not i've never been in a bj so i have no idea if it's good or not but I shame my mom. Can I tell you this? I shame my mother about BJ's. Um, I feel bad. Sorry, mom. I know you listen to these podcasts, so (laughs) I apologize. But I remember years ago, she because she dropped the Costco membership when we got older. um, Mm. Because it's not as useful when you have grown kids versus young kids and need to buy more stuff in bulk. And she like got back to BJ's because they moved and there was a BJ's close by. And I, I I went in there and I was like, I looked at it as like, why wouldn't you just go to Costco? What are we doing here? We go bargain bin to bargain bin. Like what, what is this BJ's? We don't. And I went in there and I like, this is just a sad Costco. What is this? And I, uh, I don't know. I felt bad. I felt bad for, for shame. My mom about getting the BJ's membership where I'm like, just go back to Costco. What are we doing here? Why are we playing games in a bad way? Yeah, man. One one day I'll, one day I will go to BJ's that day is just obviously not today (laughs) or really any day we live in Knoxville because we don't have one. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't know there was one, but you said it. So I was like, there must be one somewhere. Um, Well, there you go. Um, Mr. Will, what were the biggest upsets for you this week in college basketball? Because we do ostensibly talk college basketball when you're on this very program every week. Yeah. uh, So if you're a big listener to the Chase Thomas podcast, look in the Mm. episode notes for the part where we talk about basketball. (laughs) Um, So, And if you're not a running person, uh, maybe not the episode for you. Sorry. Okay. Biggest no, disagree. <laughs> don't backtrack. Will, don't backtrack. We are going with it because they need it. It's their medicine. It's the vegetables. Yeah. It's We got to do some kind of uh, societal good to kick things off. And that's what we're exactly. doing. And also, here's what you do. You listen to this very college basketball feed while you're running. Yes, I do this. I genuinely, mm-hmm. I, I don't love hearing my own voice. I'll be frank, but okay. I love running to podcasts. It's, okay. it's a nice, steady way. You look at the water, you hear about Michigan's basketball team. You remember you don't really like watching them, but then you look back at the water and you're like, oh, this is really pleasant. So I'll, wait, I'll to be honest, Will, have you listened back to any of your appearances on this podcast? Yes. Uh, okay. I, I listen back for like vocal texts or something to try and make okay. sure I'm not saying uh or um or uh, a lot. So, okay. Okay, biggest biggest upsets. <laughs> I'm getting us way off track. This is all my fault. No, this uh, is good. I've got four, and one of them, uh, or actually two of them, are by one team. Shout out to Rutgers for an amazing week. Uh, beat down of Michigan State, 
genuinely stunning to me. So Rutgers have had a couple of good wins this year. Notably, the Purdue one is what's going to stand out in everybody's mind. Uh, and obviously, that was awesome. Like, if you beat Purdue in any aspect, especially in the half-court buzzer beater, really cool, good for you. But beating MSU by 21 really came out of left field to me. And the Big Ten has had a couple of these results now where it's like, you know, Illinois getting housed by Maryland or, you know, this game. Or, I mean, we might be eventually talking about Nebraska winning a Big Ten game. So whenever that happens, <laughs> we might have to have an emergency show for that. Oh, what they, is the- they beat Minnesota last night. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. my goodness. Oof, Bad news Minnesota. from Minnesota. Yeah, that's um, terrible. Whose brother coaches them? Isn't it? Uh, or no, who is who coaches Minnesota now? Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, that's right. Okay. So he's a first-timer. Okay, but anyway, back on Rutgers. Um, so, I mean, it was nice for them to pull that off. Uh, but to build on that by beating Ohio State at home last night, you know, they're down by eight with two and a half minutes left. They close in a 10 nothing run. Um they are deeply committed to being a very difficult team to evaluate because if you hear, if you just heard us on face value, talk about a team that's 14 and nine, eight and five in the big 10. I mean, at worst, one of the three best power conferences in America has wins over Purdue, Michigan state, Ohio state, and Iowa earlier this season. You're thinking that's like a six seed or something. Mm -hmm. And then you look at who Rutgers has lost to. You got losses to DePaul, Lafayette, UMass, Minnesota, uh, Maryland, Northwestern on the road by one, Penn State. They've got a lot of bad losses uh, coupled with those really good wins. And it makes them really difficult to figure out what are you from like a tournament perspective? Like, are you on the bubble? Because, I mean, John Gasway said today in his bubble watch, he doesn't believe they are. And I tend to agree. I don't think they're a bubble team yet. They're probably a couple wins away from being there. But that it's just they're such a strange team to get a read on because every time I want to leave them for dead, they have a game like that or games multiple now where you're like, oh, yeah, Rutgers, that's a team with a really good coach. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, I don't know. They're they're a tournament I mean, team, right? I, I don't think they are. It's going to what's going to happen, I think is that they're going to find a way to go one and six in their remaining Big Ten games and then win the Big Ten tournament because that Ooh. seems like the type of team they are. They, okay. they will they will lose by like 27 to Illinois or something and then turn mm. right around and beat Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> I, I just cannot get a read on them. But there are a couple other non-Rutgers upsets from last week that are really good. Mm. And we'll get to sort of the obvious one later. Mm. Uh, but two before that, Virginia beating Duke really shocked me. Great last uh, shot. Yes, amazing last shot. And mm-hmm. the Virginia is starting to get really interesting where, again, it's kind of like Rutgers in a way. You look at the metrics, you see them 74th in Ken Palm, and they were in the 90s prior to beating uh, Miami last weekend. And you think, okay, we're just not going to pay attention to Virginia this year and you know, kind of for good reason. But Virginia just beat easily the best team in the ACC on the road, 15-9, and 9-5 nine, nine in ACC play. Not that that means as much as it usually does, but that's still mm-hmm. good. Um, do I think that they're really on the bubble yet either? I think they're in a record situation where they're closing in, but they're not there yet. Uh, but they're on the right track. I mean, you know, since the start of the new year, they've won, I believe, or they're 8-4 and four in their last 12. 
And outside of the NC State loss on the road, most of what they've done the last month and a half has been pretty defensible. Obviously, beating Duke is really good, but like they beat Virginia Tech in that span. They beat Syracuse and Clemson on the road. It's a team that's getting better. I guess I shouldn't be shocked that a Tony Bennett team is getting better as the season goes on. But they Mm -hmm. dug themselves such a big hole to start that this is a surprise. Yeah, and I also the you mentioned the Virginia point. Um, I have two things there. One, uh, Dave Pash on ESPN. Um, the the Mavs Hawks game was on the broadcast was on ESPN Sunday night, mm. and this man, Will, you'll get a kick out of this. He who clearly has not watched an NBA game all season long. Like that was something that was very evident early on in this one. And when I talk about no chemistry, the lack of chemistry between JVG and uh, Mr. Dave Pash was just unbelievable. Um, like anything that was not related to the Pac-12, this man had no clue, no clue what to do. <laughs> he's, um, he's more Bill Walton than he thinks. Yes, I would agree. Um, and speaking of Bill Walton, like go back and watch some 98, early 2000 NBA stuff. And you're like, this is not the same person calling games. Like Bill Walton yeah. was the primetime color guy and was just, it's just wild to listen to the, <laughs> the differences between the two um, 20 years later. But all that being said, uh, he mentioned on the broadcast, he was like, because uh, I think um, Virginia, who went to Virginia? Uh, oh, yeah. DeAndre Hunter on our team. Mm. And Hunter had he had a three in the corner at some point early on. And he was like, yeah, those Virginia guys, they just they get threes in their bucket get or something like that, where he just he equated Virginia basketball to offense and just them putting out just three point assassins and just <laughs> electric offense um, at the University of Virginia. And I, I almost fell off the couch where I'd never heard anyone describe <laughs> Tony Bennett basketball as a electric three point heavy, uh, just a lot of fun um, in that regard. And then the other part of that in that game, Paolo disappeared. Like if you watch the second half and you go back through uh, why Duke lost that game, it's because their big time players were nowhere to be found late. Like yeah. that was like one of those games where it was great for, like you said, Virginia, but it was eye-opening for duke and how we should view them um as we get closer and closer to march and so like mark williams is a cool player i like Mm -hmm. mark williams i think he's an awesome shot blocker does what you need to in offense you know not like a heavy usage guy right when he's like pretty easily your leading scorer that's a bad sign like Mm -hmm. paolo had nine wendell moore had nine jeremy roach had seven aj griffin had two i mean that Mm -hmm. none of that is good and I, I think Duke is still pretty well balanced. I think they're a good team, but we're we've kind of passed that. And I think this maybe this really hasn't been the case since you know they lost to Ohio State. But in the immediate afterglow of that Gonzaga game, there's this rush to be like, oh, we're just going to see this game again in you know four and a half months or whatever it was to April. And I feel that way about Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I feel that way about Duke's half of the equation. I yeah I don't know. Um, I was talking to uh, uh, Hunter Kruger, who is the beat writer for Gonzaga Bulletin last week, and we were picking picking on the Zags and just uh, I, I was getting his perspective on the Timmy Chet stuff and like, is there a scenario where Gonzaga gets run off the field or run off the court because they're playing two bigs and that this style of basketball because they're playing in a weak conference are they kind of shielded from a lot of a lot of matchups that might actually be a problem for them like a Baylor uh yeah. who's to say 
Um, and it's just kind of wild that they're just not going to be challenged again, again until the tournament. Like the the WCC is just not a good conference, and they're going to steamroll everyone. Like they're not going to lose another game until the tournament. And I don't know, they're the only team like that. I'm gonna. I will disagree on the point of it being a bad conference. I think okay. like St. Mary's is on track to be like a six seed. Uh, San Francisco is probably going to make the tournament. BYU is going to be a bubble team. I mean, they frankly could have more NCAA tournament teams than the ACC. But they also beat BYU by what forty this past yeah. week. So I mean, like obviously Gonzaga is a clear, clear step. Maybe that's what I meant best. more. Is like yeah. even if the conference is a little bit better than I'm saying here it's more that they're not challenged not even close to anyone in the conference which is a problem for them i think it's not even their it's not their fault but it is a problem in like how we view them it's just it's really hard for us to gain a full perspective on gonzaga because they just they're not going to be challenged anytime soon yeah so uh finishing out the upsets here smu beat houston last night that was real center that was the first time if the stat I read on Twitter is correct, and I haven't had time to check it, that was the first time Houston had trailed in a second half in two months, which is wild. Wow. So uh, big win for SMU. They're, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they're like, I mean, they're closing in on the bubble. I don't know that they're, again, they're like not there yet, but they're getting close. I mean, they have another win like that, maybe, you know, another top uh american side they could reasonably get their way into that first four talk i'm going to be a little bit of a debbie downer here i don't think arkansas over auburn is a huge upset uh arkansas so i know i'm the metrics guy Mm -hmm. and so i'm going to use those to defend this arkansas is only a four-point underdog yeah that's that's the average spread for a five versus 12 game in the ncaa tournament and we're never Hmm. like that surprised when a 12 beats a five right so I wasn't mm. like shocked when Arkansas beat Auburn, especially in Bud Walton. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you're an SEC team, there is not a scarier place to play on the road, regardless of if Arkansas is good or not. That mm-hmm. has been a house of horrors as a Tennessee fan for me. Like all the blown leads I've seen Tennessee have there. Mm-hmm. Arkansas just knows how to pull it off. But I mean, it was awesome to see. It's really cool when, you know, you see that level of crowd. Like the only other crowd I've seen that was better, at least in the last month, was the obvious Texas Tech Texas game. Um, but it was awesome to see that level of fan participation, that level of play. Like uh, JD Note just kept coming up with cool shots. Not an upset, but a great game. I would agree. Um, but either way, it's fun to see Muscleman. Like even with the the one <laughs> with arm the and. On. <laughs> yeah, like it, that was a that was a wild scene. It's kind of wild in general, um, just how fun the SEC has been across the board this year. It's actually been a very fun competitive conference where, yeah, Auburn's been number one and hadn't lost in forever, but like Kentucky's really good. There's a lot of you can make the case for a lot of different teams. I mean, Vanderbilt's streaking a little bit. Um, that's weird. So we get Vanderbilt on Saturday. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Hopefully uh, another foot stomping. That would be nice. But um yeah i don't know we'll we'll see uh what to make but i think the sec has been more competitive and more interesting um than maybe you and i would have expected uh at this point in the season um will your february surprises good and bad thus far uh good i think a clear standout over the last month or so has been st louis in the atlantic 10 
they kind of got left for dead in the preseason, and for good reason. Javante Perkins had an injury two weeks before the start of the season that took him out this year, and he was what I thought was easily the best player in that team. And when I saw that happen in my mind, I was like, okay, that's like an A-10 contender that's now probably the fifth or sixth best team in that conference. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can go to KenPom.com right now. St. Louis is the number one rated team in the A-10. And they're behind Davidson in the standings, but they're building uh, quite the resume. And it's it's kind of tough to look at them because you think back to when they led Auburn by 12 back in December with, I think, 10 minutes to go. Imagine if they had finished that game off, what it would do for their resume. Uh, but, I mean, they've been really good. They've pulled off six in a row over A-10 competition. Uh, I believe they're favored in seven of their final eight games. They're poised to close the season on a heater, and I would not want to draw that team uh, in March Madness if they were my 11 seed. Um, and just as a, just in general, I think I'm surprised positively by the Mountain West. That hmm. is a really fun conference. Uh, I'm going to get to a team in particular towards the end of this that I love watching. But, I mean, we're talking about potentially a five-bed Mountain West. Wow. Which is, I mean, that's wild to think about in many ways. But uh, so, I mean, think about it like this. Wyoming has all those quad one and quad two wins. I think they're, I don't think they're locked in, but they're getting pretty darn close to locked in. Boise State is probably an NCAA tournament team. Colorado State's on the right side of the bubble. I think San Diego State is probably going to end up on the right side, but it'll be tough. And then Utah State's sort of in that similar boat. But I mean, right there, that's five teams we're talking about as among like the top, you know, 72 of that NCAA tournament field. Mm. That's that's a really good conference. I mean, especially when you consider, you know, like like we said, the ACC might only have three in the tournament. The This has not been a great season for the Pac-12, for instance. I haven't been, you know, thrilled by the Big East outside of, you know, the obvious three or four teams. So really good season for the Mountain West. Interesting. Um, something that we, it's funny. I don't feel like we've talked enough about this, this program on, uh, on this very podcast. Cause I feel like we've talked about a lot of the biggie schools, uh, but we've missed on the team that as of right now, sit atop the big East, which is the Providence Friars who, I mean, they're ahead of Villanova on February 10th in the standings. Um, you were pretty bullish. I seem to recall in our preseason conversations on this very podcast, Will, um, I don't know. Are you surprised by just how good Providence has been? And what would you what would you posit as the reason why the Friars have just found so much success early on here? Well, they're they're really experienced. So mm-hmm. I mean, right now they rank eighth in uh, the NCAA in average years of experience in college on the roster. So like the average player has two point seven three years of college basketball experience. I mean, that's a pretty darn old team, even factoring mm. in that this is the COVID year. Uh, is that like a one-to-one correlation with, you know, regular season success and say tournament success, whatever? Not really, but mm. it isn't hurting. I mean, it's, I, you could, I mean, really in your head, you can build the perfect sports writer narrative where it's like, because Providence has all this experience, because they're coached by Ed Cooley, who we know is really good and does not get the credit he deserves. That's why they're winning all these close games. And therein lies why I don't know if I trust Providence. Hmm. Um, so it's 20 and two, 10 and one, the Big East. objectively amazing record. Uh, yeah. 
you know, they they haven't played Villanova yet, and we'll see how that goes. But still, amazing record. You beat UConn on the road. You beat Xavier on the road. I mean, St. John's is not great, but St. John's on the road is not an easy win. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin on the road, et cetera. So, I mean, they've pulled off some really good wins. They're 11-0 and in games decided by six or fewer points. Oh, wow. They're, that is... I mean, I'm just going to say it impossible to sustain for a full season. Okay. There, there has, I, I mean, and really I, you cannot sustain it year over year. Mm. The, the last team I think to finish uh, undefeated uh, even with like seven or more close wins, I think UNC Greensboro did it three years ago. They were nine and zero. So to be 11 and zero with a full month left in the season and all these close games left in your schedule, I have a really hard time seeing that sustain. And I think that's why, you know, Ken has this thing called luck rating where it's like quantifying, you know, have you been really lucky in close games? What is your expected win percentage on the season based on your scoring margin, your efficiency and how you've played start to finish? Uh, their expected win loss record is 15 and seven. Hmm. So based on how they've played, which I mean, it's awesome that they've overachieved, but the team that I feel they remind me a lot of, and this is sort of a memory bank thing that, you know, it slipped away because the season didn't have an NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. but the 2019, 2020 Auburn team, oh. they started out 11 and 0 in close games as well. They were 22 and two. Everybody remember they were scalding hot. I think they got up to number five in the AP poll. Hmm. And then suddenly because this is not a thing you can really sustain, they started losing close games. They finished mm-hmm. that season losing five of eight. They fell all the way to like a five seed had they played that NCAA tournament. And I think Providence is sort of headed towards a similar fate, but it is a really cool story. In my personal opinion, why they keep winning these close games, they have elite free throw rates on both sides of the ball. They're top 20 in both offensive free throw rate, which is just like, your percentage of free throw attempts versus field goal attempts and the same on defense that correlates better than any other stat, except just straight up shooting and who wins close games. So I think that's also sustainable. I think that part's sustainable. That is, but the fact that they keep pulling these out over and over and over likely it's not. So I think they're going to eventually lose a close game or two. And, you know, if they're, if they get better down the stretch this season, and I think they are showing some signs of, improving to being like a legit top 40 team. They're 42nd in the metrics right now. Um, But I I think they're a fun story. I like them. And all that being said, if I was a 13 seed and they were my four, I would be doing jumping jacks out of joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime you get to draw a four seed in the 40s in the metrics, your odds go way up of winning. So, Man, pouring all the cold water on the Providence face faithful. Like you just, it's almost like (laughs) you just, you just went on this podcast and you said, Hey, do you know what sucks? Dunkin' Donuts coffee. (laughs) You might as well have just said that. Well, that's almost, it's better mm -hmm. than Starbucks. It's better than Starbucks, but not caribou caribou for chain coffee. Quite good. You're a caribou love. I, I've never known anyone else who just goes to bat like you do for caribou coffee. You're a caribou guy. It's good. So I'm going to say this. The tell Mm -hmm. on Providence for me is going to be really how they perform against Villanova. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, Xavier, it's cool if you beat Xavier again. That's at home. Um, That'll be nice. I mean, it'll be nice if you beat Creighton. Creighton's not what they were like a month ago, but I mean, they're not a bad team. But how you do against Villanova is really what I'm watching for. 
if they can even win one of those two, I think I'm going to start to believe more than I do right now. But if they get swept, it's sort of back to, you know, like, is this team really that good feeling for me? Okay. Um, what we talked, we hit on this a little bit when you're talking about the the upsets and just the big surprise in the last week. But if you had to articulate why Arkansas was able to knock off the Auburn Tigers in overtime, what is what? Well, it's not even just Arkansas, but like, what did you see as like maybe the blueprint to taking down uh, the number one team in the nation? So my, I think Arkansas exploited Auburn's two main statistical weaknesses. Auburn is not a very good deep shooting team. They're at 32% from three in the season, and they foul a lot more than you think defensively. I think they're in the 250s in defensive free throw rate. And they've kind of been playing for fi- with fire uh, on both of those for a while now. So this is the fifth straight game where Auburn shot 26% or worse from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally any team is capable of a cold streak from three to some extent at any point in a season. It could happen now. It could happen in the tournament. Matter of fact, you'd probably prefer it happen now. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Auburn's been scorching the nuts from downtown anyway this season. So three times this year, they've shot better than 40% from three. Uh, Ten times, they've shot 29% or worse. Hmm. And it obviously helps that you have a uh, human giant Walker Kessler at center who will suck up any rebound that is available. Uh, so you can get some of those back, but I think that sort of explains why you haven't seen Auburn land the kill shot, so to speak on some of these lesser teams. Like you think about the Missouri or Georgia games, they shot really poorly from three in both of those. And in Missouri, they just shot poorly from all over the floor. Uh, that is kind of the worry for me with them heading into March is like, if you have a cold shooting night, do you have the strength in other areas to make up for that? And them having those foul issues on defense seems to be a real problem in exacerbating, uh, you know, why they haven't sort of ranked as highly as you'd expect for the number one AP team uh, in the metrics. Like they're eighth in Ken Palm right now, and that is kind of low for a number one team. So like in this game specifically, Arkansas got a few favorable calls. Every SEC home team does. But Auburn hacked away in those final five to ten minutes, including regulation. They had five players in the game with four or more fouls. I mean, Kessler, I think, picked up all four of his in the final five minutes plus overtime, right? Mm. So, and, you know, it's it's tough for him to like, there's one of those that I you know thought was truly a poor call, but mm-hmm. it's, this is a common thread in a lot of their close calls and now the two losses. And so, you know, obviously context dependent that both of these games went to overtime, but UConn got 38 free throw attempts. Arkansas got 32 that tight uh, road win against Alabama. That was a great win, but Alabama got 29 free throw attempts. Georgia got 29. That's a serious problem. And if they draw the wrong, you know, one or two seed, I, I think Auburn's obviously going to end up being a one or two at this pace. If they draw like Purdue, for example, who gets to the free throw line a ton, that's going to be a real downfall because, I mean, you're going to see Kessler get in foul trouble real quick against like a Zach Eady or a Travion Williams. It could be interesting because I think there's a possibility that Kentucky and Auburn could be number one seeds, right? I think that's yes. still not out of the question. I think uh, there's a kind of wild. That's pretty wild too. SEC teams being number one seeds in the tournament. Um, I don't think before the season we would have, we would have had that. Um, it's time. 
actually no before we get into the tennessee real quick before you get into the tennessee takedown hour uh with stats by will um, <laughs> no, i'm feeling good this week i'm in a great mood okay i never know i mean i just assume i guess that the it's vibes be... are back okay the <laughs> in some sense i was gonna say i don't know the weather's yeah, we'll good and the vibes are too the the vibes are the vibes are up um wichita are uh I, they're quiet average middle of the road team um i was looking the other day and it's like they're 12 and 9 and i'm not sure what it is uh as of this recording but it's somewhere around there can't be uh, much more much less maybe one other game here but um they've been bad and this is kind of like one of those where um it was a good story because he kept things going after marshall uh deservedly got fired um (laughs) but like this is not gonna work. Like Wichita State Shocker basketball has a has a see like they have expectations now. They're not Louisville where it's like Final Four get out, but it's like you have to be elite. Like this is now an elite college basketball program that have high expectations in the league that they're in, and they just haven't been very good this year. I mean, it's not like a Butler situation where Butler is just like I. I, there's no way you don't make a coaching change after this season there. But yeah. um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Wichita? So here's a fun one for you. That Wichita team, everyone fell in love with last year because it was mm-hmm. a really cool story. I mean, like everybody was rooting for Isaac Brown, the one of the best moments of last season. And it was a truly terrible season to watch unfold because of COVID was that video when he got the job. Really mm-hmm. cool team. You want to know where they finished in Ken Palm? 68th. Oof. That was the lowest finish Wichita had had since 2009. Would you like to know where they are this year? 79th. So they're not really that much worse. They've just had much worse close game luck. They went 10-3 and three in games decided by six or fewer last year, five and six this year. Um and but the problem is they they do that to themselves. You know, they are just not fun to watch. They are atrocious at scoring both inside and outside the perimeter. I think on twos, they're somewhere in like the 320s for a two-point percentage this year, which is like if you're above like the MIAC or SWAC or something, you should not be in the 320s. Like that's – you're not doing so hot there. Um, Hmm. I still like Isaac Brown. I think they're – especially on defense, they're a bear to deal with. Like they force a lot of turnovers. They force a lot of tough shots. They block a lot of shots. That side of the ball seems fine. I wouldn't worry about their defense at all. Um, But the fact that they returned, I mean, a lot of last year's roster, right? Like I'm looking at minutes continuity right now, 62% of the minutes from last year return, you know, Tyson Etienne was back, Ricky Council, et cetera. That should not have led to this. I thought I didn't think they would fight for the AAC title. I thought that would be a Houston Memphis thing. You know, we can talk about Memphis later, but uh, the way that it's unfolded where we're sort of looking at, you know, three and six in the American right now and Wichita is currently on pace to finish eighth. Like, you know, maybe you're not always going to be at that Greg Marshall standard where you're in the top, you know, 25 every year. But the the new Wichita standard, I think, should be like, you should at least be on or around the bubble every single season. A yeah. little better, or a little worse. And like for it's them worst to be this case scenario. Off, yeah. Yeah. For them to be this far off is alarming. 
All right, well, the the happy. I, I went the I went the wrong way with you on Tennessee basketball at the moment because I mean they beat a Mississippi State team that's just they're not bad. They're just bleh. Like they're an NIT team. Like I could see Mississippi State winning the NIT this year. That's a that's a team you could just that see. That seems like the right accomplishment for them. Like that's where, a ben where you Howland don't actually specialist. play you don't mm-hmm. actually play any good teams, but mm-hmm. you, you beat the re- the best of the rest. And then you're like, oh, we're awesome. We're going to do something in 2022, 23. And then you're just in the Memphis situation. Yeah. And it's also, I guess, a little bit different too, though. Like what are the Mississippi State fans' expectations for Mississippi State basketball? This is not exactly like a, a, a storied history. And you have baseball season coming up. It's sandwiched in between what they care about because um, Mississippi State baseball just won the title. And like, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with how much they love college baseball in the state of mississippi but they uh they're diehards like you you'll hear southern miss talk on a on a national radio show in mississippi like um it's it's a big deal uh college baseball over there Uh, it's also a big deal here when the tennessee balls are back (laughs) in a couple days um lindsey uh Lindsay Stadium, Lindsay Nelson, and I'm uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm mm. so excited to eat some hot dogs and just chill out and watch uh, the balls hit some dingers. But all that being said, speaking of the balls, um, they beat Mississippi State. This is a roundabout way of getting back to Mississippi State and the game <laughs> that happened last night. Um, they win that. They lose Kumwa, which feels like days ago, weeks ago now. Um, awesome moment in the locker room after with Plavs and Barnes and company. And this team, I don't know. They figured, I think, some stuff out. Uh, the identity seems more secure. Um, BHH is going to be a big part of this team, I think, going forward. I think it's just kind of like he has to be. I don't see any mm-hmm. way around it. Um, but I was pretty worried when Kuma was lost for the season and what that meant. But I don't know. What uh, What do you make of the team post Kuma thus far and uh, the state of the vaults? Yeah, okay. I mean, I was quite bummed when... Uh, Kama went out for the season mm-hmm. for various reasons, like a human reason, of course. It's just like it sucks to see this guy who, I mean, genuinely improved an immense amount from his first two years to this year. I know like Kamwa is probably never going to be the team's best player, but for him to improve to even being like a top four guy on the squad was mm-hmm. a big leap from where he was last year. So I, I felt horrible from him from that perspective. Uh but I think the the thing that killed me most about it from a from a basketball viewpoint is my my sort of platonic ideal, the four and a half shooter lineup where you're counting com. I'm charitably counting Kamo as a half shooter because he only takes about one three a game. Well, hold on. He's uh, not a, he's a mid he is he has one shot. It was that turnaround yeah. inside like 10 feet from the basket that the ball never goes up like he has a very straight line <laughs> shot, but it always yes. is just nothing but net. You know, if he doesn't touch rim, it's going in. But if it touches any kind of rim, it's it's bricking that thing is clanking yes. and that's that's all he likes he's like give me the ball down low and i'm gonna do a turnaround like a kobe for a second and that's it that's that's my yeah. go-to so i was really bummed we lost that ut lost that lineup because it, in my head the best five that this team had to offer and the closing lineup i was really hoping to see in march was kennedy chandler santiago vescovi zakai ziegler uh triple j at the four and then Kamwa at the five and my hmm. thought was that is going to be a really hard thing to defend because you have the team's three best shooters out there. And if you're not feeling like Ziggler on a particular night, or, you know, even if you're not feeling Chandler on a particular night, you toss out Justin Powell instead. Mm. And then it's like, okay, 
if Chandler's not playing well, we just tossed out the flamethrower who's shooting 41% from three on the season. So that was a real bummer to lose that potential lineup. But at the same time, in the after Kama went out and after Tennessee sort of bluffed through, for God knows why, a plafsich Fulkerson combo for about two minutes, they ran with you know Chandler, Ziegler, Vescovy, James, and Fulkerson for, I think, about an eight-minute stretch against South Carolina, and that pushed the lead from nine to 24. And right there, my thought was, maybe that's the lineup. Maybe that's the one where... You know, I don't think Tennessee can go single big for an entire game. I would like for them to be able to. But if you go single big for a full game, especially with Kamwa out, your team's best shot blocker, you're going to give up a lot defensively. Like, I do think there is, unfortunately, a necessity of playing like Plavsic and Huntley Hatfield together or Fulkerson and Huntley Hatfield together. Or, you know, I was intrigued by I do and Fulkerson together last night, but I don't think I love it. I would kind of rather pair I do and Huntley Hatfield together, possibly. Hmm. But all that being said, Tennessee's closing lineup that makes the most sense against the average good team they play is going to be, you know, four guards slash wings and then Fulkerson or Plavsic, whoever's having the better game up top or, at, you know, at the, at the five. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, I'm doing a story on this in a couple of weeks. When Tennessee runs out these single big lineups, they're 17 points better per 100 possessions. Most of that impact offensively than they are when they play two bigs at once. Hmm. And that is, I mean, again, that comes with its drawbacks. Like Tennessee gives up a worse hit rate at the rim on defense. Tennessee Hmm. fouls more. Uh, But when you're needing buckets like you were last night and you'd notice like, Tennessee did the little focus on I do combo and then state came back to make it, I believe 59, 58 bulldogs. And then Barnes pulled the plug and said, okay, James at the four, almost all the way to the finish. And that won Tennessee the game. Hmm. So that to me is the closest Tennessee has to it. The closest thing Tennessee has to a cheat code where it's, you put in triple J at the four, the big of your choice at the five. And then it's okay. You have, especially with how well James has shot the last month and a half, you mm. have to defend four legit shooting options now. And Fulkerson is, you know, for all of his flaws, for all the weird stuff he does in games, for the bizarre freaking Euro step he pulled out of nowhere last night on the fast break that predictably went bad. Mm. Um, that man can set a screen. Mm. That man can roll. He knows exactly where to be on offense at all times. You should, if this is your sixth year running the offense. But I mean, he he's got real value is what I'm getting at. And if they can continue pulling that out in these, you know, close games against good teams, I do think States like quasi good. They haven't beaten anybody that's good, but they're formidable. Um, I mean, yeah, you got to keep doing it until you know, there's something that says it doesn't work. And, you know, we're 23 games in now and I've yet to see anything in the data that says this wouldn't work as a closing lineup for guard slash wings. And then, center of your choice so okay i like it i like it well you know how we end these pods uh with your stats it's in your name stats by will is literally in your name (laughs) um and that's how you're shouted out on the sec network um which folks should go check out i mean that's what people know you as is stats by will um and also frequent contributor to the chase most podcast um stats that have caught your eye in the past week will what are they 
All right, here's an exciting one. And this okay. is delivering on a promise I put out very early in this podcast. So think okay. back to New Year's Day. So January mm-hmm. 1st. And think about everything that's happened since then. Think mm-hmm. about the players you've seen 2022 specific. Mm-hmm. There are two players in America who are averaging over 20 points per game and over 10 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. Kofi Coburn is one, obviously. Who is the other? I don't know. Who? It is Graham Ike at Wyoming. Okay. I, why, why, why would you throw that out at me? What, what are you doing? Like, what, I, like, I like getting some people puzzled. It's a nice fun mm-hmm. activity of mine to... Uh, to there was no way it was another big name. I knew there was no way it was another big way. And I was just yeah. like, I there, Will wouldn't throw this out there if it wasn't someone obscure. There's no way. <laughs> I love watching Wyoming play. I mean, mm-hmm. so they played Colorado State last week. And genuinely, it was the most romantic I have felt towards college basketball since the pandemic. That's a weird thing to say. I know. Uh, not getting canceled for that. But anyway, um, so it, but it was just a mixture of the Wyoming crowd. I'd never seen a crowd that big at a Wyoming basketball game. I didn't know they cared that much about it, frankly. But it was mm-hmm. a sold-out crowd, packed house. For this game that went to overtime, it was Graham E.K. versus David Roddy just banging bodies off of each other. It was like watching two offensive linemen go at it, but they are actually scoring basketballs. Mm-hmm. Like crazy fun to watch. And E.K. specifically is just a really fun guy to watch. Catches the ball in the post and, like I mentioned, just abuses his defender for like 10 seconds until he gets the shot he wants, whether that's a mid-range jumper that's at the rim or it's, you know, like somewhere in between hook shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's a better passer than Kofi, frankly. Like Kofi is still improving on that uh, area of his game. Uh, for a big guy, not bad passer, really. Ike mm-hmm. is a big reason to watch Wyoming. But in general, they're just a really cool throwback team. Uh, I got another amazing stat for you. Okay. Um, so the average Division One team this year, this is per synergy, posts up on a hair under 10% of all possessions, which is crazy to think about given the game we grew up watching, where it's like a mm-hmm. post up every other possession, right? Mm-hmm. Second highest post up team this year in terms of, you know, rate of all possessions, Purdue at 24%. Uh, it's not going to be a surprise to hear that Wyoming is number one and they post up on 37% of all possessions. Well, amazing. quadruple the national average. They're out here playing late 1990s basketball and still have a progressive shot selection. Almost 80% of their shots are at the rim or from three. They play the Can most. Can we lose fun- Rick Barnes to Wyoming? <laughs> well, I mean, fun fact Rick Barnes has had uh, a lot of like ties through, I think it was his Clemson career to Wyoming. One of his assistants was the coach of Wyoming for a bit. I'm telling so, you, all the pieces matter, everything's yes. connected. That really is. But they're they're a really fun team to watch because it's like bully ball, but for 2022. It feels alien yet familiar. And I love watch. I've gotten into it helps, obviously, that Ken Palmer is apparently really involved with the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was an alumnus, but like their I coach, did. Jeff, yeah. their, their coach, Jeff Linder is really cool. He was at Northern Colorado for a while. They're seven and three against quadrant one and two teams on pace to be anywhere from a seven to 10 seed. And again, this is Wyoming we're talking about. This is a team that has two tournament appearances in the last 34 years. I strongly recommend watching them play. They're not going to have like a real marquee game until they play Colorado state on February 23rd. But if you have a free time, have some free time that night, it's a Wednesday night. 
and you like watching uh, adult men just <laughs> slam their bodies into each other like it's a royal rumble. Mm -hmm. uh, Graham E.K. versus David Roddy is a true brutalist uh, heaven. I I cannot recommend it enough. Wyoming, you got to watch them play. Okay. Stats by Will, we can find you on Twitter at Stats by Will. We can go to your website at statsbywill.com. Yes. Check out all the great stuff you got cooking over there. Um, we can listen to your shout outs on the SEC network. Uh, what's up, guys? Um, if you want to, like, when you're listening to the podcast, which is where, I mean, they're they're finding us through multiple mediums, whether that's on the yes. podcast or on your website or on your Twitter account. I actually told, um, and we'll end here, I, I went to dinner at Litton's. Um, this mm -hmm. is a deep cut for my Knoxvillians. And we, uh, we with the Go Big Orange Friday guys, and I brought you up because I told them, I was like, Will, one of the things I like about Will is that he can, he's one of the guys who can say something extremely mean and the way he talks, it sounds so nice. <laughs> is this about the Andy, the uh, Andy Katz shout out? It's that it's just, I I've heard, like, I know how you talk now and I've heard you say some mean things and I just, it cracks me up because I'm like, Will is so subtle that, and just the way he, it, the way he articulates mean things is just amazing. Like he missed his calling as a bad news deliverer. Like if the other <laughs> stuff doesn't work out, that is what you should pivot to. I think because you are amazing at it. I have a great aunt who's just the same way, but it's more of a Southern thing where if you have like a really southern drawl like a very classy southern drawl you can say some mean stuff man and it will come off like bless your heart people think is a positive just because yeah. of the way southern people say it but it's not it's not at all um i don't know that that's kind of the the same family that i think it stems from but yeah well that I'm was honored. something i brought you yeah it was it was funny so you're <laughs> even when you're not with me on the podcast will you're always there somewhere um thank will you. warren i will talk to you next week yes thanks for having me on all right folks that is a wrap on today's edition of the chase thomas podcast just one guest today in mr stats by will will warren go check out stats by will.com and all the great coverage by will give him a follow on twitter at stats by will all that good stuff. Um, thank you again to Will for coming on this very program. Uh, if you liked listening to Will and myself talk college basketball on this very uh, podcast, please do make sure you leave uh, this show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps uh, tremendously and helps uh, other folks find the show. Uh, and if you think other folks might uh, enjoy this Blue Wire program, please make sure you share it uh, with with them, family members, coworkers, friends, whoever the Chase Thomas podcast is for everybody. Um, also, please do uh, make sure to uh, go check out chasethomaspodcast.com and watch us on YouTube. Uh, Chase Thomas podcast on YouTube. Please like and subscribe and share it out and help this uh, new pivoted uh, endeavor uh, continue to flourish. So it would mean a lot if you could subscribe and check us out on YouTube, Chase Thomas podcast. And uh, email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Any future mailbag questions, any college basketball questions that you have for Will or myself, shoot us an email, chasethomaspodcast at gmail. Give me a follow on twitter.com, uh, chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like uh, the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase 
Thomas Ryder. All right, Chase Thomas Podcast, new episodes every day. So what that means is, you guessed it, new episodes tomorrow. You guys, you guys have a, you guys, you guys have yourself a great Friday and uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.